Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm your host, DJ Hamilton, and welcome to another edition of the DJ Sports Show. And it's been a kind of a long layoff for me, especially by my standards. I'm finally here recording on September 22nd on a Wednesday, 3.06 p.m. here in my car. Man, I've been sick. That's why I have been really delayed in my recording. I've been having a cough. Luckily, I'm negative for COVID. I got tested just in case. I got a, I didn't get no rapid test. I got the one that takes one to two days, so I have a more accurate result. Um, a lot of people here in my camp has been sick. Um, I just wanted to go uh, last week, last Tuesday, I believe, I went to the bar just to have some fun, at least for once. And of course, I get sick. So that's ironic, right? I haven't had an episode out since September 12th with the G at the Hall of Fame and stuff. So I was like, man, it's almost two weeks since the episode. So I got to start recording. Uh, right now, my cough is not too bad. I've been having a cough. I've experienced fevers and chills uh, when I was home. And I'll, I'll get cold easily in my car. I had to put my hoodie on. Then I had, I have, right now, I still have my cough, but it's like loose right now. That's why I'm like recording. Hopefully, I could get do most of my stuff today. And then also stuffy nose. I kind of have a little bit of stuffy nose and runny nose. Yeah, so mostly just stuffy runny nose and cough. I don't have a fever anymore, luckily. And I have experienced dizziness. That's why I was very scared if I had COVID. But luckily, the results came back negative. And I've experienced a lot of fatigue and tiredness. But, um, yeah, um, that's why I've been so delayed with the episodes. Uh, a new episode since that last one I put out September 12th. It's been almost two weeks, so... That's the only reason you guys know I'm always very consistent. I never usually go more than eight days, nine days without a new episode out. I usually go every week at it, at it, at it. Consistency. That's what I love to do, and I love to embrace that. To team to get better and team to grow. So, yeah, that's why I've been delayed in um, uh, the new episode because I cough. I didn't want to record with constant coughing and stuff like that. And I didn't feel up to it, and I was just not feeling good. I'm more worried about getting myself better as I'm still not 100%. So I hope you guys can all understand that. And yeah, so, but yeah, in this episode, we're going to talk about, man, it's, uh, man, there's been a lot of stuff going on since I've been sick, man. Emma Raducanu, she won the U.S. Open, shout out to her in amazing fashion. Um, we're going to talk about John Wall, Houston situation, Derek Lively committing to Duke, a lot of basketball stuff. Uh, Paulo Bonchero commit, um, being, um, he's in 2K, so he, that's very big. So the NCAA's new NIL rules, name, image, likeness, he's going to get paid for being in 2K22. And he's the first college player to be ever be involved, be in the game. So, excuse me. So that's really pretty amazing if you really think about it. Like, of all college players, Paul LeBronchier was the very first one to be involved in the game. So that's very, very good for him. Um, Chris Livingston committed to Kentucky. And then I might try to talk some NFL as week one and week two have both happened. Um, so I might just talk about week two um, just to get it, um, just to talk about the most recent week and not get do too much because my voice is still eh. And I kind of still have that itch for a cough. So yeah, we're going to get into all that. Sit backs, put your headphones in, grab a snack, and let's do it.
Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. So, ladies and gentlemen, first topic I'm going to talk about is Paulo Bonchero. I'm going to be featured in NBA 2K22. Now, I'm reading this from my website that you also go check out. Now, uh, probably I'll leave in my description for my podcast. Probably do that every episode. I did this article probably last week on Paulo Bonchero. So, Paulo Bonchero, the 6'10 forward, who will be playing his college ball at the prestigious Duke University under legendary head coach Mike Krzyzewski, which will be his last season. The historic coach will be retiring after this 2021-22 college basketball season. Uh, Montero is meant to be a top three pick in this 2022 NBA draft and will be featured in a new NBA 2K22 game as a playable character under the new NIL rules. Name, name image, and likeness, which what that stands for. College athletes are now able to make money off their names from autographs, speed, and video games, and so on. Uh, he was ranked the number two overall prospect in the class of 2021. By 247 Sports Composite. In the past, gamers wanted to um, include current college stars into the 2K series, but either had to create them or download rosters created by other game users that incorporated the player in certain franchise modes. The financial terms of Montero's partnership have not yet been disclosed, but based on how popular the 2K series is, it exemplifies how college basketball is set to remain an attractive option for top prospects in the NIL era. All these other college alternatives and other uh, options out there for top recruits in basketball, such as the G League at Night program, which offers six-figure salaries. Um, they don't offer um, the exposure, though, that college basketball provides for a lot of these players to really boost their profile and their name among the average basketball and sports fan. Um, playing at Duke will surely heighten the exposure. Montero needs to increase his marketability as Duke is ranked number eight in the early CBS Sports Top 25 and one entering the 2021-22 season. Um, so yeah, Montero's the first college player, especially basketball player, um, to be ever featured in NBA 2K series, which is a very big deal. This gives, well, this is giving this guy a chance to really make money off his name, image, and likeness and put money in his pocket that he could maybe give to his parents if they need financial help with bills or anything like that. You got to think about the little things. It's going to help him pay for his college loan. Oh, college loans. I'm bugging. This guy has a full scholarship. <laughs> Look at me and not thinking straight because I'm sick. But, um, yeah, this guy could put some money in his pocket, start saving and investing, think about his future, what he wants to do in his maybe post-basketball career or in case he ever suffers an injury that ends his career, this could put some money in his pocket before he even gets a chance to even play in the NBA, which we all know he will, bearing any unforeseen circumstances like a catastrophic career-ending injury or anything like that. This guy's destined for the NBA. He's 6'10". He's like 245, 250. He has a solid build. He has really... I watched him since he was a freshman. He has really improved his perimeter skills. He has ball handling has gotten better. He can shoot off the dribble, shoot the three ball. He can bang down there in the, in the, on the block with the best of the bigs. Like he'll, I think he has enough solid build to be able to bang with Joel Embiid and NBA and the Jokic's. He, he's like he's not like Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren is a skinny twig. It looks like he's getting stronger, but he still has to gain more weight. This guy has a def, a more NBA ready body. So. He he's very exciting to watch. He has that dog mentality, and I can't wait to watch him play at Duke, man. 
Um, I just feel like it's going to mold him into the player that he wants to be. Not just a player, but also into the person that he wants to be. And continue to grow as a player and a person at, at his most likely one season at Duke. Um, yeah, he, he's one. This is a very, really um, good draft. Some good bigs in this draft. And uh, I'm really interested to see how he grows as a player and as a person this year at Duke. And I expect to see big things from him when he at college at Duke and eventually when he enters the NBA for whatever team is lucky enough to choose him in the lottery next year. Sticking with um, basketball, especially um, the youth basketball with high school and college. We got a lot, we got a lot of stuff going on in college. Paul Bonchero featuring 2K. And now Chris Livingston last week committed to Kentucky, giving the Wildcats three five-stars in the 2022 basketball class. Um, Livingston committed to Kentucky last Wednesday, giving the Wildcats their third five-star in the 2022 class. And they were were at one point in the lead for number one recruiting class, but then they're gladly committed to Duke. We'll jump again to after this segment. Um, but Livingston chose Sean Calipari's program over Georgetown and Tennessee State after removing Memphis from his list earlier this month. He stated, history of the school and the basketball program attracted me. Um, he told ESPN, what Coach Cal has done with past players has been impressive. He's a down-to-earth guy for a coaching legend. He's easy to talk to. I like how he stays connected with his former players. Livingston, whose aunt Lisa ran track in Kentucky in the 90s, took a visit to Kentucky back in June, and also took trips to Georgetown and Tennessee State in August. After Memphis made a push for Livingston in August, Kentucky will gain momentum and has been a clear favorite the last few weeks. Uh, Livingston stated they have crazy love for their program. They have the strongest fans in college basketball. Since I cut down my list, the amount of tagging on social media has shown me love. He's a 6'6", small forward from Ohio. Excuse me. Who recently transferred to Oak Hill Academy, which... And he is ranked number 12 in the ESPN 100 for the class 2022. He's been viewed as the best prospect from Ohio since LeBron James. Like, this guy is legit. He can score in transition. He can attack the rim. He, he has really gotten stronger over the years. He has really added muscle to his frame. He can finish plays, do contact. He comes at defenses in a downhill fashion in the half court. He has a nice little J. He has a handle. He can defend. And he should get plenty of second-chance points and points in the paint at the college level. He has a motor, which is something that was really questioned in his younger years. Does he have the motor? Does he have the will to be great? Because he has all the tools and the talent. So you got to have that wanted, too. He has the motor to be an active rebounder, both in and out of his area, at both ends of the floor. He has explosive bounce, quick feet, speed, and effort, and all the tools to be a versatile defender. He can switch out on top and switch on off-ball screens and not give up space. According to Synergy, uh, Livingston long-range shooting is making progress. He made 38% of his catch-and-shoot threes, but attempted twice as many pull-up threes and made just 29% of those attempts. Shot quality will be an important moving forward as he needs to prove shot selection, and he is strongest from the mid-range area at this point in his career, so he needs to prove his shot selection and his three-point shooting if he wants to reach his full potential. Uh, he's a second significant commitment from Kentucky in the last two weeks after number one overall prospect Shannon Sharp picked the Wildcats earlier this month. Um, Sharp and Livingston joined a class that already included five-star guard Sky Clark, who committed last fall. Um, Kyle Perry lost out on their livey to Duke, um, but he's also looking for um, other five-star prospects, Kaysen Wallace and Adam Bona, who are also high on Kentucky's target board. Um, Livingston said, I am excited. I played USA basketball with other talented players and won a gold medal. If you know yourself, it's not a problem. Chris Livingston I think he has a bright future ahead, just like 
Paulo Bontero. Um, he's six six. He probably could grow into six seven, six eight when it's all said and done. So, yeah, man. He, I think he's gonna be one of the most versatile wings of this next era coming up. Once he shows up some of his weaknesses, and as long as he's blessed with good health and goes to the right situation, he's gonna be a top ten pick in the 2023 NBA draft. And I just think he has a really bright future ahead of him. And he's the best Ohio prospect since LeBron James. And LeBron follows him on Instagram. And they're both really, really tight. And he supports the kid. So that's really good. You have a guy like LeBron James, arguably the greatest player of all time. And one of the greatest athletes of all time. In your corner, who you could ask for advice, what to stay away from, the pitfalls, and stuff like that. And how to market yourself. Because he's a mogul of that. So Chris Livingston... Congrats on coming to Kentucky. And Kentucky got a good one. And I can't wait to see what he does at the University of Kentucky and beyond in the NBA. Now let's get on Derek Lively, the number two prospect in ESPN 100, class 2022. Committed to Duke to uh, just this past, uh, what's today? Today's Wednesday? This is past Monday. Uh, he was the top uncommitted player left in the 2022 class. Now his commitment to Duke on Monday, giving the Blue Devils the edge for number one recruiting class over Kentucky. He chose Duke over Kentucky and Penn State, where his mother, Kathy Drysdale, was a 1,000-point score, and Michigan also remained involved until the final weeks. He went back and forth with Kentucky and Blue Devils over the last few months and he, since he visited both schools in June. And he said, I like the whole idea of the brotherhood, Duke basketball and Duke University. I believe next year's team has a chance to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament and maybe a national championship. After my playing career, a Duke degree is important to me. Um, he was... Lively was Duke coaching waiting John Shire's first scholarship offer after being named Mike Trusesky replacement. So he was the first offer in the post-Trusesky um, era, which will happen after this upcoming 2021-2022 college basketball season. Lively stated with the relationship between him and Shire, uh, we've developed a real good connection. Their plan is to help me develop to become an NBA player, to help me master my game on the perimeter and inside and out. He's a seven foot one center from Westtown School, where Obama went to in Cam Reddish, um, in Pennsylvania. He's ranked number two in the ESPN 100, and he rose quickly during the spring and early summer into five star status, where he became a real threat to be number one. Um, after an impressive July on the Nike YBL circuit with Team Final, where other top uh, NBA prospects who now go to Memphis, Melanie Bates and Jalen Duren, both went to, uh, both played for. Excuse me. Uh, he's one of the elite defensive players in the 2022 class. He led the EYBL in blocks at 3.7 per game. That is phenomenal. He's been compared to, like, Anthony Davis. And, like, yeah. yeah AD, I think, has been his comparison because his raw ability defensively and how he's so mobile. But he also is very skinny. He needs to add some bulk. And he doesn't have much polish offensively right now. Um, while also while averaging 3.7 blocks per game, he also added 8.5 points per game. 6.7 rebounds, while also making 11 three-pointers in 15 games. And he had 13 points, 10 rebounds, and 3 blocks in the Peach Jam Championship game. He has made steady and elaborate prospect, um, progress over the past two years on his game, where his impressive agility, mobility, and skill for his size. He has also become showing some ability to play off the bounce and make threes with confidence, to go along with a 7'8 wingspan, which he uses to really protect the rim, and his explosive leaping ability, which is going to give him elite versatility on the defensive end, which is something a lot of NBA scouts salivating drool over in a big man. Guys who can move their feet, guard the pick and roll on the perimeter, and also protect the rim. 
like guys like Anthony Davis and Giannis are so valuable and why they're one of the best players because they could do all those things. They can guard pretty much anybody on the floor at all times at their best. Offensively, Lively has soft hands to catch lobs and drop off passes, and he has tremendous upside. And as he continues to get stronger, to become more of a post presence, and continue to add, he needs to get more consistent with his three ball and his range, and continue to get better off the dribble. If he improves those things, his strength, three ball, and his overall ability offensively, he's going to be one of the unique players coming to the league in the next two years. I can definitely see him being a one and done if all goes according to plan. Um. His uh, coach at West Town, Seth Berger, stated Derek is an amazing player and teammate. He's always committed to winning above all. Even with all of his physical and mental gifts, he's most of all a warrior that goes into battle for his team. It's been incredible to watch him grow as a player and a young man. He has made a great choice to play for John Shire, who will be up to the challenge of continuing the Duke tradition of excellence on and off the court. Lively is Shire's third star commitment in the 2022 class, and he gives Duke the edge over Kentucky for the number one class. He joins top-ranked small forward uh, Derek Whitehead, who's number five overall, skilled center Kyle Filipowski, and number 10, an outstanding three-point shooter Jaden Shutt, number 47, in the Blue Devils group. They also landed five-star point guard Cleb Foster last week to start its class of 2023, start building that class. They also look to target in 2022 include top 30 prospects Mark Mitchell and J.J. Starling. Starling. So Derek Lively is a very fascinating prospect, a guy who's really had a rapid rise to stardom in the rankings, and we'll see how he continues to grow in his game this year at Westtown and once he eventually um, makes his first steps on Duke's campus as a student and as a basketball player. So, so those are some of your youth sports, college basketball news, and some high school prospects coming into colleges. But coming back, we're going to get to some NBA news. Um, ben Simmons, man. There's a lot going on in Philly right now. We're going to get into that. And we're also going to talk about some John Wall situation in Houston. Before that, we'll take a quick break. Time to play some baseball. Baseball? Yup. I can do baseball. We can play baseball? I'm in. If we can play anything. Four. I'm in. Seriously. Anything. Put me in, coach. Sign me up, dude. Okay, Sabrina, I see you. Where do you want this at, Chris? Wait, what? Is this one of your State Farm commercials? Yeah, sure is. Jake from State Farm? Did they not send you all the scripts? No. no. Chris smiles and says, wow, love, State Farm's surprisingly great rates. Then suddenly his body turns into a basketball. <laughs> Come on, this stuff is. Chris? Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. and gentlemen, we have a Ben Simmons situation.
just want to add that little flavor to it, the, the alarm. But yeah, man, ladies and gentlemen, Ben Simmons, been reported by senior NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski, will not be reporting to training camp, and he's done with the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, he will not be reporting to training camp next week and intends to never play another game for the Sixers franchise. He's been asking for a trade ever since. Um, there's been a lot of factors that have been um, factoring into this. Um, I have an article coming out today on Ben Simmons in this situation, but he wants to trade out of Philadelphia and told management he has no plans to wear an NBA, uh, Sixers NBA uniform again until he's moved to a new team. Um, this is setting up a showdown for the Sixers franchise with championship hopes that will be greatly diminished without him on the floor, um, mounting the likely short-term losses with him, saddling his long-term goals of getting a maximum trade return for Simmons. But even with the comments of Doc Rivers saying, I don't, when he was asked, do you believe Stan Simmons can be a a championship point guard um, and then he was asked I don't know the answer to that question when he said that and Bede saying how the game I'm paraphrasing when Bede said how the game turned when they didn't take that layup and then stuff like that I have an article like the exact quote what Bede, Bede said but they basically turned their back on Ben Simmons and he really took that the wrong way but even before that they put him in trade rumors Last season, during the James Harden saga, his name was in the, the midst of those trade rumors everywhere you saw. Everywhere you saw. No matter what website, CBS, uh, NBA.com, everywhere. His name was in the midst at the forefront of the James Harden saga when James Harden went out of Houston. James Harden at least played the games with Houston. Like, he didn't say, oh, I'm not going to trading him or I'm refusing to play. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> Um, he, and Ben Simmons seems a little entitled, especially for a guy who only averaged 9.9 .9 points per game in that Hawks series and shot 33% from the damn free throw line. Like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, I know you're hurt, but you got to take some accountability too. You need to stop always pointing to everybody else. You need to improve your damn game, bro. Like, Magic Johnson, like Chris Broussard made a great point today on first things first and undisputed. Andrew Johnson had that tragic series in 84 to call him Tragic Johnson against Larry Bird and the Celtics when they lost. He came back, got better, and they won the next year, 1985. Michael Jordan, when he got beat up by the Pistons, years, getting bounced out by the Pistons. What'd he do? He went to the weight room and got better, got stronger. And what'd he do? Won six championships, became a dynasty and the greatest player of all time. LeBron James, 2011 meltdown against the Mavericks. What'd he do? Became a better person, became a better player, improved his post-up game, went on to win two straight MVPs with the Heat, won two straight championships, and he's won more championships since. And the, what? The, and they're all better players than Simmons, and they all said, oh, I got to get better. And then we have Ben Simmons here, who's nowhere near the players those guys are, and is not looking in the mirror and, asking, and saying to himself, yo, I got to get better. I got to be willing to take jump shots. I got to improve my free throw shooting, because let's be honest. Those are really glaring holes in your game. And in today's game, you got to be able to shoot the damn ball. you got to be able to. Even centers today. If you can't really shoot the ball, you're not going to be playing that much. Especially in key moments of the game. When the, when the game gets tight, and especially in the playoffs. When things get tighter, there's not as much fast break opportunities and stuff like that. So you got to be able to shoot and make free throws. And Simmons, man, you need to look at yourself in the damn mirror, bro. You're, like, yes, Doc Rivers and what Joel Embiid said wasn't right. And they're more, more putting you in those trade rumors. But, yo, you need to take some accountability your damn self and stop being so damn entitled. 
Um, Simmons explained his stance to ownership and managing the late August meeting and has had no direct contact with the organization for weeks. And you can't just, like, trade him either because he has four years left on his contract and he can't just sit out. He has four years left on his contract and $147 million left on his max contract, including $33 million for this upcoming season. And clearly understands the potential financial implications of sitting out. The Sixers contest Simmons' willingness to stay away by finding him considerable salary. And I've been looking at some um, reports. They say they could find him $228,000 per game. And the league could come in, too, and sanction his behind. And, and Sixers, they don't have to pay him. If he doesn't play, especially if you don't play due to, like, you're not sick or you're not injured, you just choose not to play at all, and you're, and you're disregarding your contract and your obligations and your duties, they don't have to pay his behind. They don't have to pay him. Like, well, who do you think he is? Like, he's good. Like, but like, like Shaq said, Ben Simmons is good. But you're not that good, buddy. You're not that good. You need to look at yourself in the mirror and get better. You're not good. You're not on Shaq's level. You're not Jordan. You're not LeBron. You're not Magic. You're not those. You're not Larry Bird. You're good, but you're not that good. You still have a lot of improvement to make offensively to your game. Like, you need to look at yourself and really, like, ask, look at, ask some questions in the mirror. And like, yo, what am I doing? Like, look, what if he gets traded to the Kings and he's in mediocrity? Nobody's going to give a damn about him that much anymore. He ain't going to be talked about as much anymore. Because Philadelphia, they're a winning franchise, and they're a bigger market. Sacramento, nobody gives a damn about the Kings. Look at the Aaron Fox. The dude still hasn't made an all-star game. And he had, the last two years, he's been pretty solid. He's been, last year he averaged over 25 a game. And he wasn't even mentioned in the all-star conversations, barely. Uh, as Simmons requests, the Sixers have discussed trades throughout the league since the end of the playoffs, but they were disappointed in the offers. Sixers president of basketball operations, Darren Morey, and coach Doc Rivers had told Simmons that they wanted him in training camp and on the floor to partner with OMBA Senator Jordan Mead. But Simmons has made it clear he no longer or desires in uh, doing so. Uh, his contract is structured for him to receive 50% of his salary before October 1st. Uh, his poor performance in the East Conference semifinals lost to the Hawks played a role in this drama playing out, but Simmons has become increasingly frustrated with his partnership with the Sixers over time. So, this is really like a... This, this, this is crazy, man. This is this is a shit show. I don't like cursing on this podcast, but that's what it is. Uh, man, Simmons, he, he just needs to get his act together, man. Uh, like, bro, what are you doing? Like, I know you're not happy, but at least play. And like get your value increased, so you you can potentially go where you want to go. That's what James Harden did. He like Chris Broussard said. I was listening to him. James Harden averaged thirty seven points and eleven assists the first three games of the season last year, because he thought the Rockets were mutually they agreed to find a deal for him. But then when he found out they weren't really dealing for him, that's when he started going crazy, getting out of shape, and doing crazy stuff in Houston, not reporting to practice, stuff like that, causing a whole controversy. And Chris Broussard's right in this regard too. When the next collective bargaining agreement comes, the owners are going to be harsh on the players. There, there's going to be some different language in that deal, bro. Because they can't. This this stuff got to stop happening. How do you have four years left on your deal and all this, and you're doing this? You still have four years left on your deal, bro. They're going to come harsh on this because this stuff has got to stop. Players being divas and babies because they want to hurry up and get traded out of a different situation, go to a different team, or build a super team elsewhere. Like, no, you got to, we players, star, especially star players, you got to stop this crap. First, James Harden, I didn't like the way he handled his situation either. 
I was very adamant about that in my podcast about his situation last year. I didn't like him being a diva and crybaby either. Like, bro, be professional and try to work it out with the organization. Don't try, don't show up fat to your job. Don't not show up to practice, setting a bad example for the whole team. When you're clearly the best player on the team, no one's even close. You're setting a bad example. And Steven Siles was a rookie coach at the time, so I felt bad for him. I was like, damn, this is how he gets his welcome to the NBA? So I felt bad for him. And then, yeah, Ben Simmons, now, who's not even near the player that James Harden is, doing the same thing. And he has even more years left on this damn contract. Like, come on, bro. You average less than 10 points per game in a damn playoff. You didn't even average double digits. Like, come on. And you're supposed to be the second star on the team? You deserve some criticism, bro. You got to show up. And it's not the first year he didn't show up in the playoffs either. His lack of a jump shot hinders him in the playoffs, especially when the game is more in the half court and stuff slows down. There's not as much fast breaks in the playoffs. You got to run your sets. There's more pick and roll. We're coming off screens. And you got to be able to create your own shot. Like, that's why the Sixers have not been successful in the postseason because of his lack of ability to create a shot. Like Embiid has some of his playoff stuff too, but he at least played through a tournament meniscus. Yes, he's some blame for them losing that series to the Hawks. He had way too many damn turnovers in that game. He had like six, seven turnovers. Way, way too much for any player, let alone a center. But uh, Ben Simmons, man, you got to get your act together, man. You look at yourself in the mirror, stop blaming everybody else because you're, you're part of the blame too, man. You're the reason why you guys haven't won a championship too. You need to improve your damn jump shot. You've been in the league five. It's your fifth year in the league now. You still haven't improved your damn shot. You don't even have a mid-range game. You don't even take shots. I'm, I don't care about all those YouTube videos I see in the offseason. I want to see it in the damn game when it matters. Regular season, postseason, I want to see that when it counts. That's what everybody's waiting to see. We're tired of seeing those YouTube. We don't believe in that crap no more. I stopped believing in that crap after the second offseason that happened. I'm like, bro, he doesn't take it in the game. I don't care about this no more. Like, bro. And his shot's not even, like, crazy broken either. He has a pretty decent form. It's just his mental. He has to get his mental right. I hope he sees a psychologist to get his mental right or something. Because he has all the talent in the world. He has the passing. He's a great rebounder, great defender. He can guard pretty much anybody. Point guard to center because he has the size and he has quick feet. But, yo, you need to improve your damn offensive game because you're hurting your team and yourself. You're hurting your reputation as well and your and your legacy. Uh, you could dead be among the greatest players ever. If you could just get a damn jump shot, at least take shots. If you can get at least a damn mid-range game. I'm not even saying you got to be Steph Curry from three. At least get a damn mid-range game, bro. So at least teams got to come about you. It's like, oh, he, he's effective in the mid-range. And then you can just drive by them. So up to Ben Simmons, man. We'll see what he does, what happens in Philly. And then we'll see, and we'll see what the Sixers do. Will they not pay him his contract because he refuses to play? And, we're, and will the league step in? All questions that'll be really interesting to see as this story continues. The panel out, man. So, yeah, it's be very interesting to follow as things continue to progress. Uh, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is the visual version of my podcast. Uh, I'm talking about John Law. So, if you want to check out my YouTube, I'll leave the podcast description in my leave the YouTube link in my podcast description. But, anyways, I'm John Law. The Eastern Rockets um, have agreed. Him and the Eastern Rockets and John Law have agreed to find. A trade for the 12-year veteran um, as they believe that bench role will not be beneficiary for both sides um, as they look to move on with a young core. Jalen Green, who's a young, exciting rookie. Oh, I think he's going to be one of the next 
best players of this next generation alongside Luka, uh, Tatum, Zion, and Trey Young, among others. Um, they also got uh, and there are other first round draft picks. Um, Alperen Sengun, a very talented Turkish product who's only 19 years old and has a lot of promise. He showed a lot of things at the Summer League. Um, Josh Christopher, another scorer, a young kid who has a lot of talent. I think could be like a really, like a J.R. Smith type one day, and he's been compared to Nick Young. But I think hopefully he could be more consistent than those guys. So I think he has really, really good potential to be a really good player in the NBA one day. And Yusman Garuba, who's been, who was pretty much the best player in the, best defender in the draft, labeled by most pundits as the best defender in the draft. Very versatile guy, great rebounder, and brings a lot of energy to the Rockets, a team that desperately needs it as they were one of the worst defensive and rebounding teams in the league last season. But John Wall, the former five-time All-Star and All-Defensive guard for the Wizards and Rockets, he has him and the Rockets have agreed mutually to find a deal for him. Hopefully, teams like the Knicks, Clippers, and Pistons have expressed some interest in the guard. Um, it's been kind of he's uh, his contract. Is the next two years he's owed ninety one point seven million dollars, including a player option forty seven point four million dollars in twenty twenty two twenty three. So not this season, next season he's owed that much. That's a lot of money to have on your salary cap, and that's something the Rockets don't really want to deal with. And he doesn't really fit with the timeline of this young core and young movement they have going on in Houston. Um, they have Jalen Green, those guys I just mentioned, and also Kevin Porter Jr. Who was pretty much a, a diamond in the rough last season? They picked him up from the G League, and he had some really, um, really intriguing games that flashed some of his elite potential upside in this league. So they have Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, and a host of those other guys that I mentioned earlier that they want to build around and continue to grow with over the coming years. And John Wall's like 32; he's gonna be 32 or 31. He's already 31. He just turned 31 earlier this month. Um, so he doesn't really fit with the timeline of those guys. He's like 10 years older than those guys, basically. So he, I know he wants to go to a team where he could win at this stage of his career because that's something he hasn't really done yet. He hasn't really gone. He has never gone past the second round of the playoffs in his entire career on the Wizards or Rockets. And this is a guy who's been injured. He's been limited to just 113 games over the past few seasons, unfortunately, due to various injuries from knee, um, his knee that he had to flush out fluid from a few years ago to tear his Achilles tendon and missing all the 2019-20 season. And then he was limited to just 40 games this season where he averaged 20.6 points and 6.9 uh, assists, I believe, for a game for the Rockets this season in, in limited games, of course, in just 40 games. So, yeah, man, this is this is a guy who once was one of the best point guards in the league. When he was on the Wizards, he was one of the fastest guys in the league. His game really heavily relied on athleticism. He never really was a great shooter from, like, three-point range especially. And mid-range game, he was okay at. But a guy who really relied on athleticism, having all those injuries kind of really, like, really hindered his game. Um, he's still good. But I want to see if he could be effective on a winning team. Because it's, it's been a few years, man. We haven't really heard of John Wall and stuff like that. And, like, I just want to see him on a winning team. I like John Wall. He's a really good um, player. Good teammate. Um, Bradley Bill, his former teammate, said John Wall was a great guy to be around, so that's a good thing to hear. But, um, yeah, man, John Wall. I just want to see the guy go to a winning opportunity. The Clippers will be a great chance. They need a point guard. No Kawhi Leonard this year. They're definitely not winning the championship, but if they can get John Wall in a trade somehow, some way, or 
I'll be great. And playing with um, Paul George, his fellow draft mate, 2010. That'll be amazing. And then Reggie Jackson as the backup. That'll be a lot of. That'll be that'll provide some great depth for that team. So yeah, man. Oh, the Knicks. Uh, they already have Kimball Walker, so I wouldn't want to see the Knicks get him. And the Pistons. They have Kate Cunningham. They don't need John Wall. That makes no sense. Yeah, when I saw some of those those teams that they had on there that might be interesting, I was like, bro, that makes no sense. <laughs> Pistons have Kate Cunningham, and they're a losing team. It makes no sense. Why is he going to waste more years losing when he's not He's not like he's a young cat anymore? He's been in the league over 10 years now. So I know he wants to win a championship. However, he goes, I know he wants to go to a team that gives him the best chance for that. So, yeah, man, John Wall once was one of the fastest players in the league, uh, among the top point guards. Um, he's never really mentioned my top point guards in the league anymore because he's been injured so much. It hasn't really produced at an all-star level in the last two, three seasons due to injuries being out or not playing at the highest level or not winning. So he hasn't really been mentioned among the top point guards in the league since 2017 20, or 2018. So I just hope he gets back healthy. Um, Hopefully he goes to a good situation. They said he's not looking to buy out with the team. If he does buy out, I can see him going to the Clippers, but he'd rather do a trade. It's been reported that he will report to training camp to at least be around the young guys, give them some tips and advice, and at least get a trade for the season. But he's not looking for a buyout. But, um, yeah, I just hope John Wall gets well, gets healthy, and goes to a team where he can really have a chance to win a championship. So, yeah, that's some news on John Wall and what's going on with John Wall. Coming up next, we're going to talk about our NFL Week 2 takeaways. Before that, we'll take a quick break. is a short one. If you don't drive a lot, you save 50% when you pay per mile with Allstate. So you pay less when you drive less. You've never been in better hands. Allstate. Click or call for a quote today. to the new Chris Paul Workout Show. If you want to make it to the NBA, you got to have a killer crossover. TNCP crossover. Oh. oh, Jake from State Farm. Here's the deal. There's no replacing the real Chris Paul, just like there's no replacing State Farm. Man, what happened? Who are you? I'm the new Chris Paul. Man. We want the real deal. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
So yes, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into our NFL Week 2 takeaways after a really great opening week for the NFL. NFL comes back with a great second week as well. Let's just get into a few of the games. Um, first, we start off with the, man, Ravens and Chiefs, man. 36-35, Ravens won, and a overtime thriller. Lamar Jackson, man. Hey, what a game did he have? He he had two interceptions to start off in the first quarter, and he had two fumbles. And that he also, that he suffered last week in the previous loss to the Raiders. But he also was not to be denied, and the finish was a glorious one. Despite his best efforts gone already early, he rallied his squad for about as important a week two win. And maybe many people were talking about, oh, he's never won against against Patrick Mahomes. He's like he was like 0-3, 0-4 before he got this win this past Sunday against Patrick Mahomes. For the first time, he led the Ravens past Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. He counted for three total touchdowns. All of them came in the second half. And for the fourth time, Jackson had more than 200 yards passing and 100 yards rushing in a game. Had things gone the other way around, it would have been an 0-2 start for the Ravens and another loss to the reigning AFC champs. Jackson and his squad rebounded from a shaky start and went for the win and got it, as evidenced by his game-clinching fourth-down conversion on a two-yard sneak to seal the victory for and, a, and for a long time coming for this team. Um, their, their rookie defensive end, Adafi Oa, the first round there poked away possession from Chiefs running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and covered it with 120 to go giving the ball back to his office for a chance to run out the victory. Um, Baltimore struggles with Kansas City have been well-documented, and Jackson had lost his first three head-to-head meetings with Patrick Mahomes. Perhaps it was poetic that a new addition paid off in the end. The selection of Oa, who had a sack and opener and three tackles, and a QB hit Sunday is already paying off big for the Ravens two games into his debut campaign. Um, good news. Uh, the Chiefs didn't get the outcome they wanted, and Patrick Mahomes made a controversial decision to throw the ball when he was going getting tackled and you know he's usually known for doing amazing plays but he he definitely wanted that one back as he stated he should have just made a smart read and seen kelsey on that route and just throwing it to him instead of trying to do a deep throw while he was ready going his his gravity was going toward the ground after getting tackled and he threw a big pick and interception which changed the whole outcome of the game the chiefs just needed to get a first down or a few yards to get, or even acknowledge that they need to punt. Like Shannon Sharp said, it's okay to punt sometimes. You don't need to go for an amazing play because the Ravens would have needed uh, two touchdowns to catch up to the Chiefs. Instead, the interception changed the whole complexion of the game and the momentum. Um, on their top defensive players, Tyron Matthew, is starting to feel better, um, reported by the Chiefs. They make um, making his season debut after he was lost for week one due to um, COVID-19. He reminded everyone um, particularly Jackson, just how impactful he can be. Missing an action for the Chiefs' first game. But um, Tyron Matthew made an impact return and intercepted Jackson on the third play for, from scrimmage for a 34-yard interception for a turn for a score. He hauled in another pick later in the first um, stanza, this time in the end zone to end the Ravens' scoring drive. Despite the loss, Casey's defense is much different, much better when their veteran pro bowler is back in the end zone. Um, according to the next-gen stats of the game, on NFL.com, Lamar Jackson had plus 72 rush yards over expectation, the fifth most in a game in his career, which leads the NFL with plus 1,416 rushing yards since 2018. That's crazy. Um, with 107 yards, two scores on the ground, he became the first quarterback in the Super Bowl era to log multiple career games with 100-plus rushing yards and two-plus rushing touchdowns. Now let's get into another game real quick. NFL.com does a great job of really recapping these games real quick. 
as I haven't been feeling well, so I haven't really been like really watch these games or take some notes on them. But um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady are now two zero on the season. Are the Falcons fall to zero and two? Buccaneers obliterated the Falcons, forty eight to twenty five. Gronk looked ageless; he looked amazing. Um, Buccaneers tight end on Gronkowski was playing with an awful lot of pep these days. Um, he had after an eight for ninety receiving game with two touchdowns. Tampa Bay's opener. He was uh, back in the end zone Sunday for two more scores and maybe his two Super Bowl touchdowns in February after being all but forgotten in the postseason at that point. He was sparked his career. Um, whatever the case is happening with him, he's playing like a younger man, like the younger Gronk that we saw that was a tank and, and bullying defenders, carrying the defend like three, four defenders have to come on him to tackle him and bring him down. And he's been looking like that. The offseason, I feel like, did wonders for his body, and we're seeing that so far early in the season. He looks rejuvenated. He looks re-energized. Excuse me. Um, Dante Fowler, um, after an early strip back of Brady resulted in a turnover for the Falcons defense, linebacker Dante Fowler all but disappeared Sunday. Um, Bucks left tackle Donovan Smith recovered nicely from getting beaten for that big play, and Fowler ended up with two pressures among 15 pass rushdowns. Um, there's not important defender on the Falcons roster than Fowler this season as the club needs him to deliver consistent heat on cornerbacks to take pressure off a questionable secondary. Um... So, yeah, Nante Fuller had two quarterback pressures, a sack on 27 pass rush snaps. Um, no QB pressures in the second half, according to next-gen stats of the day. NFL research showed that Tom Brady threw five touchdown passes in that game, tied Dan Marino for the second longest streak of consecutive regular season games with at least four. Brady has thrown four-plus in four straight games dating back to last season. And the last person to do that was the great Peyton Manning, who had a streak of five such games in 2004. Going around some other games around the league. Uh, we have the Tennessee Titans, who beat the Seattle Seahawks 33-30 in overtime. Both these teams have a 1-1 record now. Derrick Henry spearheaded a ferocious Titans comeback. And a forgettable first half for the entire Tennessee team. Um, Henry generated just 35 yards on 13 carries through two quarters, an average of 2.7 per carry. As the Titans got down 24-9 in the final two-plus quarters, he blasted the Seahawks defense taking 22 carries for 147 yards and three touchdowns as Tennessee took the road win in overtime. On the tight end sputtering in all three phases early, Henry's bulldozing style woke up the sleepy visitors. Um, Seattle had a 30-16 lead in the fourth quarter, and then Henry broke out for a 60-yard touchdown to close the gap and get his surging squad momentum and confidence and get them within striking distance. After the week one home debacle, Tennessee looked dead in the water until Henry saved it. The Seahawks now fall to last place in NFC West, and they can only blame themselves for a brutal self-sabotage loss, the first for any NFC team in this division. After skating to a big early lead thanks to Russell Wilson's majestic deep shots to Tyler Lockett and other great wide receivers like DVK Metcalf, the Bills came off in the fourth quarter and in overtime. A missed pat opened the fourth quarter, followed by two three-and-outs, that allowed Tennessee back in the game. The defense, which won the line of scrimmage most of the day, became a mirage. Um, and Wilson nearly took a safety in overtime, leading to the Titans' game-winning field goal. The entire second half felt like Seattle was sleepwalking. And few teams could ever overcome 10 penalties for 100 yards, which is just ridiculous at, on a pro football level. In a brutally tough NFC West, the home loss looks even worse. And which... So the NFC West right now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to look at it. Look at it real quick. You have the 49ers who are 2-0, the Rams are 2-0, and the Cardinals are 2-0. All these 
teams are playing phenomenal football. Kyler Murray's looking like a legit MVP candidate, arguably the best quarterback in the league right now. He's had thrown for 400 yard games. He's rushing the ball at a high rate. He's a versatile machine, and defenses don't know what to do with him right now. The Rams are playing great football with Matthew Stafford there now at the helm, and that defense, man, Matthew Stafford's a big upgrade from Jared Goff. He's bigger, stronger, better armed. It's a better over quarterback. And he makes their offense go. Now they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And they've been looking like it thus far. And the 49ers have been dealing with injuries. But, man, Kyle Shanahan, great coach. They just have a deep team and they know what they're doing. But the Seahawks have been kind of dropping the ball lately. And they, they need to pick it up if they want to be a true contender in the NFC West and in the NFC overall. Because they've been, they've been dropping the ball lately. Um, the Titans defense stiffened up late for the second for the first six quarters of the 2021 season, their defense looked woeful, awful, whatever you want to call it. However, outside of one awful bust of coverage, the unit played strong down the stretch, harassing Wilson into mistakes. And beyond the 60-yard touchdown to Freddie Swain, Tennessee held Seattle to 88 yards on five possessions in the second half in overtime. Jeffrey Simmons is a beast on the interior. Then Autry added one and a half sacks, and Ola Adonai, near safety of Wilson, gave Tennessee a winning edge. According to the next-gen stats of the game, um, the NGS win probability model, the Titans had as low as a 4% chance of winning the game with 13-16 remaining in the game. Titans kicker Reggie Bullock finished a 33-30 comeback victory with a 36-yard game-winning field goal in overtime. And according to NFL research, Derrick Henry tied Barry Sanders for third-most career games with 150-plus rushing yards and two-plus rushing touchdowns since 1950. Henry Sanders trail only Jim Brown, who has 13, and LaDamian Tomlinson with 12. That, that is some historic stuff right there. So go on, let's go more around the league. So we so we had the Steel Raiders beat the Steelers 26 to 17. Steelers are now 2-0. Derek Carr has been also looking like one of the best quarterbacks this, thus far early in the season, alongside Kyle Murray. Um 49ers beat the Eagles 17-11. Browns beat the Texans 31-21. Tyrod Taylor's out with injuries, running into some of the injuries. Um, Broncos 23-13 beat the Jaguars. Panthers beat the Saints 26-7. They handled them. Rams beat the Colts 27-24. Um, Matthew Stafford had 278 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, 19-30 uh, completions. Carson Wentz had 247 yards, a touchdown, one interception, on 20-31 completions. And I, I believe he got injured, so wish him the best of luck. This guy is frustrating, man. He comes back, he fights so hard to get healthy. He's been injury plagued throughout his career, just get injured again. Sometimes there's only so much you can do. You just you're just not blessed with good health. The Bills shut out the Dolphins 35 nothing, and the Dolphins have some real questions to ask about their team and their defense. Um, the Patriots beat the Jets 25 to six. Mac Jones. Threw for 186 yards, completing 22 of his 30 passes. Zach Wilson, man, what a rough game for him. 210 yards, 19 of 33 completions, but, man, he threw for four interceptions. And they were saying names like Mark Sanchez and stuff. I'm like, damn, that's not a good company to be in. But he's only that's only his second career game. And a lot of the young quarterbacks, they never come in. A lot of, when you're a rookie, every rookie has made mistakes. No one's ever perfect. So I'm not going to judge the kid off if he's a buster now in two career games, we're going to give him time. Uh, Bengals lost 17 to the Bears, 20. 
Buccaneers, like I said, 48 to 25 beat the Falcons. Cardinals beat the Vikings by 1 point, 34 to 33. On Kyler Murray's uh, 400 yards on 29 to 36 completions, threw for two interceptions, but threw for three touchdowns. Man, Kyler Murray is something to behold. Um, Rondell Moore had several receptions on 114 yards and had a touchdown on 16 yards per carry. So the Cardinals, they were playing some amazing football. And they had 474 total yards, 371 passing yards. They were not very efficient on third down, only three of nine. They had five penalties for 40 yards. But they were just more explosive than the Vikings, who have not looked very good as, a, as well. Uh, Cowboys beat the Chargers 20-17. Tony Pollard has been looking like the best running back for the Cowboys. Zeke Elliott only had 16 carries. He had 16 carries for 71 yards and one touchdown. Tony Pollard had 13 carries on 190 yards for 8.5 yards per carry and a touchdown. That Prescott came back 23-27 completions, 237 yards and an interception. And on the other side, the quarterback, we have Justin Herbert, who had two interceptions and a touchdown for 338 yards and 31 of 41 completions. Uh, and then Packers, man. Monday Night Football, Aaron Rodgers after all that talk, how they looked so awful in that 38-3 loss to the Saints in week one. Came back with a vengeance. They were they were down by three points going into the half, 17-14 to the Detroit Lions. And, man, if they would have lost to the Detroit Lions, it, it would have been an abomination on the media on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Aaron Rodgers came out 22-27 completions with 255 yards and four touchdowns with no turnovers. He was flat-out amazing. They balled out. They shut the Lions offense down. They didn't score any points, not even a field goal in the second half. They stayed with their 17 points. The Packers were going to score two touchdowns in the third quarter and a touchdown in the fourth to give them a 35-17 win. Aaron Jones, 17 carries of 67 yards for four yards per carry and a touchdown. So they've been they were amazing in that game. They were five or nine on third down efficiency, and they had 323 total yards in the game. So Aaron Rodgers Packers took care of business. And then this past Thursday night, week three opener, we had the Panthers beat the Texans 24 to nine. And you had Sam Darnold with 304 yards on 23 or 34 completions, but he had no touchdowns or interceptions so that's very interesting um, but they did rush for two touchdowns on eight carries and 11 yards and then on the other side um, Texans quarterback now their third string quarterback Davis Mills had 19 and 28 completions on 168 yards and a touchdown so that's what's been going on in week two in the NFL and then some injuries a lot of injuries happened last uh, week in the NFL uh, Jarvis Landry is now week-to-week -week following the wide receiver of the Cleveland Browns. It's week-to-week -week following an MCL sprain suffered in their win against the Texans last week. And the injury is relatively minor and kind of an estimated recovery time of two to three weeks. He suffered the injury very early in their week-two game against Houston. He played just two snaps before leaving the game for good. Um, yeah, man. So injuries are always unfortunate when it comes to football. And it's just a part of the game. Um, Detroit Lions rookie quarterback. Okay, it's hard to say his name. Afutu Melafonwu uh, left Monday's night game with a thigh injury. And head coach Dan Campbell said after the game, the injury was a bad one. Um, Melafonwu was a third-round pick. Uh, Los Angeles Rams head coach Sean McVay told reporters Monday night running back Darrell Henderson is dealing with a rib cartilage injury. But they're optimistic he'll be ready for sun Sunday after resting this week. 
And he, McVay also added that Sony Mitchell will start week three versus the Buccaneers. The Las Vegas Raiders head coach John Gruden told reporters quarterback Derek Carr has an ankle injury and had an MRI on Monday. And he believe he should be good to go to play against the Dolphins on Sunday. But he's questionable as of right now. Gruden characterized running back Josh Jacobs toe and ankle as very questionable for Sunday as he missed the Raiders' Week 2 win against the Steelers. And also, Alex Leatherwood, um, who has a back injury, is also in question for Sunday for the um, Raiders. 49ers, who have been dealing with slew injuries. Running back Jamichael Hasty suffered a high ankle sprain on Sunday and is now week-to-week. Um, Rappaport reported. Um, Dallas Cowboys head coach Ron Carly told reporters Monday that wide receiver Mark Cooper is dealing with bruised ribs that bother him in week one and were aggravated against the Chargers on Sunday. And McCarthy said more will be known Monday after practice. Um, Steelers linebacker, all pro linebacker, after he decided to be contract, suffered a groin injury and had a chance, has a chance to play in week three, but he has been now updated. Just got a report um, earlier, notification that he will not be playing in this upcoming game this week. Uh, he was sidelined for the entire second half of Sunday's loss to the Raiders. And receiver Deontay Johnson, who was injured on the last play of the Sunday's game, did not suffer a serious injury, luckily. Um, but NFL Network's Mike Garofalo reported. Johnson's status for week three is still to be determined. But all signs indicate the injury is not a long-term one. And also on the Steelers' injury list, you have offensive lineman Tyson Alalu, who has a fractured ankle on injured reserve. And, and then this Carolina Panthers, Chris McCaffrey, uh, he's now good to go after experience leg cramping, um, his coach Matt Rule stated. And also there's Colts quarter, um, quarterback Carson Wentz undergoing tests on his ankle to determine the severity of his sprains he suffered in Sunday's loss to the Rams. And there's a host of other injuries like uh, Tua Taloa, Bruce um, came back negative. Um, his status for week three will depend on his pain tolerance and functionality. Receiver Will Fuller for the Dolphins, who sat out week two with a personal issue, was back in the building Monday to practice with the team this week before this upcoming week, their game this week, and participating in team functions. Um, it's been indicated that he will play week three against the Raiders. So, And Chicago Bears quarterback, Andy Dolphins suffered a bruised bone. And some days went over to Bengals. Coach Matt Nagy confirmed Dolphin avoided an ACL tear. And he is still going to be evaluated. And then lastly, the Houston Texans quarterback Tyron Taylor is day-to-day with hamstring injury. His coach, David Coley, announced um, he was listed as a do-not-play on Houston's estimated practice report. Along with receivers, David Amendola, who's dealing with a thigh injury, Nico Collins' shoulder injury, and quarterback Terrence Mitchell, who's doing, dealing with a concussion. So those, there's a lot of other injuries, but those are just some of the major players that have suffered injuries in Week 2 of the NFL. So... Yeah, that's some of my NFL Week 2 takeaways and some of the injuries that are going on in the NFL. Now I'm going to get into some hockey news real quick. As it's been announced, Vander Kane, the top left winger for the San Jose Sharks, will not be participating in their training camp um, until further notice. It was a league to have, he was a lead to have bet on NHL games, including those involving the Sharks. The NHL announced Monday there was no evidence to support those claims following an investigation. Um, quote, the investigation covered no evidence to corroborate Miss Kane's accusations, his estranged wife, Anna Kane, um, that Mr. Kane bet or otherwise participated in the gambling on NHL games and no evidence to corroborate the allegations that Mr. Kane threw games or did not put forward his best effort to help the Sharks win games. NHL said in a statement, they also said to the contrary, the evidence raises doubts about the veracity of the allegations. 
However, his strange wife also put allegations that he um, sexually assaulted her and um, also domestic um, battery. So that's not really looking good for him. Um, um, it's been the cane sock has been hanging over the sharks for weeks. Um, and his wife, yeah, she made allegations about him of sexual and physical abuse in a restraining order application filed in Santa Clara County Family Court. Um, and Evander Kane's attorney denied those charges, but the team said it came to an agreement with Kane that he won't participate in camp until further notice while the league looks into the allegations. Um, the general manager said, General Manager Doug Wilson of the Sharks said, um, it's not ideal, but there's no ongoing investigation from the NHL. Um, this focus has to be on our group here, the guys that are here today, and the things that we can control, but also respect the process of dealing with some very serious allegations and some things that need to be addressed with the right process. Um, the Sharks took the ice for the first time this season Thursday, a day after Kane was cleared by the NHL of gambling allegations, but the league is still looking into allegations of the physical and sexual abuse made by his estranged wife, like I mentioned earlier, of Anna Kane. So that's why he's not playing until further notice, until he's clear of that. Um, so that, that's something that we definitely have to look at as things continue to unravel and more information gets leaked out. Um, his absence will definitely be felt on the ice as he was the team's most consistent forward last season when he led the Sharks with 22 goals and 49 points. And if he can't play, San Jose will have a hard time reversing the dramatic fall of their team that has taken the past two seasons after making it to the West Conference Finals back in 2019. Um, the defenseman, Brent Burns, said we all just play. It's no different than anything else. At the end of the day, we just make coffee in the morning, come to the rink, and get ready to play, and you do it. I don't think it's any different than guys getting hurt, not being there for lineup. We don't worry about that stuff. We can't. There's too much other stuff going on. Um, also, um, he so Kane, Randy Kane was selected by the Atlanta Thrashers in the first round. Number four overall pick in the 2009 NHL draft. He has scored 506 points, which is good for 264 goals and 242 assists and 988 penalty minutes and 769 regular season games with the Sharks, Buffalo Sabres, Winnipeg Jets, and Thrashers. And he has 13 points, 6 goals, 7 assists, and 29 Stanley Cup playoff games. So, yeah, this is Van the Game situation. It's very serious, something they're really going to have to look at and solve. He's already made it very known and clear that he did not sexually assault his wife and that he's innocent. But we'll have to find out once more information and evidence is provided to us. So, hope Van the Game, hopefully, his, um, he, that he stated that he's innocent is true and that all this is just a way for his wife to get get money and hopefully he gets his name cleared well that's gonna do it guys uh finally finished the show after two weeks being sick i'm still kind of under the weather with a cough and stuff he knows i'm at least a little bit better now to at least record and talk so yeah i hope you guys enjoyed the show catch me on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, anchor you name it um i'm gonna leave the youtube link Power guys subscription so you guys can go check that out the visual version of with the john wall um when i talk about john wall and the houston situation and yeah make sure you guys continue to check out my website where i have articles i just put up a new article excuse me on the ben simmons saga and Derek lively my two recent newest articles so yeah i hope you guys enjoyed this episode it's been dj hamilton i'll see y'all next time